Well, 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 well. I tell you, we could almost do that again. Amen? Woo! But you'd cut into my preaching time, so we're not going to do it. And I'm just throwing your stuff around everywhere, Tim. Here, God bless you, sir. You can have that right back there, okay? Tim, you want to do something with this thing right here? Can you? I don't want to cause a real ruckus in here today, okay? I tell you, if you just slide it right over real close, there you go. Welcome. Have we had church? Woo, we've had church. Praise the Lord. Now, Brother David, I tell you, you made a statement a while ago about within 200 miles. I'd stretch out and say maybe 400 miles. Amen? What a great, great time of worship. Man, you know what? I was thinking down here a while ago, what we were doing. I was thinking, man, I wish, I wish a lot of you folks would just herd out of the back of the church or the front, whichever you call that, and go out to the street and just start doing like this, the cars going by. Amen? Amen. Come on in. Come on in. And uh, matter of fact, next few weeks, some of you college students and young people may make you up some signs, and some of you adults and senior adults together, get out there on Saturdays or get out there on Sunday morning, you know, before worship starts, and just hold signs if it says, Jesus love you, come inside, you know. We're worshiping the Lord. Come on in, you know. You are welcome, you know, just to let folks know what's going on in here. I'm telling you now, th this, this is good stuff this morning. Amen? Amen? Now, if you didn't like this morning, something isn't quite right in your heart. Amen? Amen. But I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you are here. And tonight, we're going to have another great time. Share some unique things with you tonight. I'm glad we're going to have a bunch of guests here tonight. So you be back also to give good showing for Beach Haven Baptist Church. Well, my, my, my. Pastor, thank you for letting me come and be with you. And uh, you could invite a bunch of folks to come in on this weekend, but uh, I'm honored. I really, really am. I followed uh, your pastor for years, just watching him and admiring him and listening to him, but observing, and I guess the, the, the best part of all of it, and maybe even the first official time we met, I don't really remember, he and I were on the street out soul winning, somewhere here in the United States, I don't know where, but uh, he goes and comes all over, a lot of the crossover meetings, some of you have traveled with him to crossover during the Southern Baptist Convention days, and we get out on the streets prior to the convention and just brag on Jesus and pass out gospel tracts like the ones I gave out last night uh, to all the leadership, and uh, just, just trying to help individuals that would never hear the gospel any other way because they would never come into the house of the Lord. They're just not going to do that. And by the way, the scripture, well, he does tell us to go out and compel them to come into the house of the Lord, but he tells us to go, go out where they are. And that's what this church is doing, has done. Pastor Stewart, good to see you this morning and meet you over the years. What a great heritage you've got. But listen, the greatest days are ahead. Amen? You want your greatest days to be ahead of you. Amen? We need to think back to the old paths and the old ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. And let's do that. And let's praise God for where you've been and where you are today. Awesome, wonderful. This was dynamite this morning. Choir, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't you want to thank the choir one more time? Amen. Amen. I mean, good stuff. Good stuff. And um, your heart, your passion, your faces, show it. Sometimes I'm in a church, I'm in a different church every single Sunday, and sometimes I'm on that front pew, and I want to take a, a Bible or a pew book or something and throw it at somebody and say, smile, you know, you know. We're singing about rejoicing and being happy in Jesus, but you never know. Your faces are different, though, and thank you. And even during the welcome time, some of you came down out of the choir and went out here, and I thought you were mad at the choir. I saw you out here, you know, thought you'd left the choir, but thank you. And the orchestra, 
the Spirit of the Lord uses you in your abilities and your talents. How many of you out here play an instrument of some kind? Raise your hand. You play an instrument of some kind. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Okay, look. Here, take a picture, Tim. There you go. There you go. There you go. There. Yep, 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 yep. All over. Good. Good. All right. Great. Great. Work, didn't it? We had that all planned out. Amen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gracious alive. Well, take your Bibles. How many of you brought your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. You got your Bibles? Got your Bibles? Good. Cell phones, amen, smartphones, iPads, good, 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 good. That's great. You know, the lost world watched us this morning as we got up and came to church. And we all walked out and, you know, we had our Bibles under our arms and a lot of our neighbors looked at us and laughed and probably said, oh, you know, those crazy fanatical folks going to church. They got their Bibles with them. You know, a lost person, whether it be a neighbor, a co-worker maybe that sees you at lunch break, uh, having a little time before you go back to work and you break your Bible out and you have a devotion time and you're sitting there reading some scripture. Some of you students take your Bibles to school, whether it be middle school, high school, college, and you're, you're maybe sitting under a tree on the college campus, you know, between classes and instead of studying, why study? Just get the Bible out, start reading the Bible, you know. And, and uh, people just, just see a difference in you. They see they see Christ in you. So, you know, it, it's just amazing. But to them, this book, that, that you hold in your hand, and, and, and many of them like the one I hold in my hand. They look at that Bible and go, you know, that's just a book that's full of blank pages. Absolutely nothing there. Just a bunch of blank pages. And they kind of, they laugh and say, you know, why in the world do they spend so much time reading a book that, that has absolutely nothing in it? But the more a person in the world, on the golf course playing golf with you maybe, somebody out fishing with you, uh, a neighbor, the more they see you responding to diversity and heartache in life, the more they hear you speaking about this Jesus, the more they see you bowing and praying in a restaurant uh, at a difficult time there at work and you're in your cubicle and you're praying, you bow your head before a test. You know, they say they took prayer out of school. Uh-uh. You will never take prayer out of school as long as they're a test. <laughs> Amen. I mean it. I mean it. <laughs> but, but people watch you, and they see, and they go, you know, there might be something to this Jesus stuff. There's been a death in your family, maybe, and uh, you, you lose a child, or you lose a mom or dad, and they see you're not bitter, angry at God. They, they see you receiving it and walking through that valley instead of wallowing through it. And so that lost person might go, well, you know, Maybe there is something to that old book. You know, maybe, maybe there is something, but it's just a bunch of black and white pages. No real color there. It's no completeness there. It's just, it's got some stories there, and you'll see all the Bible stories are there, you know. But it's just, just a bunch of blank and white, black and white pages. But when a person gets born again, when Jesus steps out of heaven into their heart and he changes their life forever, and you are made a new creation, amen? I mean, all the old things pass away. Behold, all things become what? New. There is a change in my life, a change in your life. People see that change. They see that hope. They see that peace. They see that purpose. They see that security. They see you walking in strength, even through difficult times. They go, you know, people watch you. They've seen that change in your life. And when you got changed, when Jesus saved you, when Jesus washed your sins away, that Bible that might have been blank, 
might have been full of black and white pages. Then became a Bible like the one I hold in my hand right here, full of color and hope and reality. I wish you could see your face right now. <laughs> a Bible like this one, complete and full. Amen? Y'all see it over there? See? Now you're going, how did they do that? I tell you what, come up after it's over and give me $10 and I'll show you how I did that, okay? <laughs> All right? Well, let me ask you this question. What kind of Bible do you hold in your hand? Yeah, I hope it's a color one, amen? I hope it's a complete one. Take, take your Bibles and open the book of Acts, the book of Acts. Wow, what a great, great word Acts is. Uh, go to the very first part there. Go to about chapter 4. And uh, as you open up your word to chapter 4, just remember this book that we hold in our hand. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. That book, read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It will reward the greatest labor and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. That Bible you hold in your hand. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, its decisions are immutable. It's the traveler's map, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Read it frequently, slowly, and prayerfully. Christ is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God its end. It is a mind of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is the book of books, God's book, the revelation of God to man. That book you hold in your hand is very, very special. Mm. I want you to stand in honor as we read the Word, would you? Go to chapter 4, look at verse 12. Uh, what I'm sharing with you this morning is so easy to understand. You've read it. Those of you that teach the Word have taught it. Those of you preachers that are in here, you've preached this. It's nothing new. Chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Who, who is that speaking about? Jesus. Jesus. Say his name again. Jesus. Jesus. Good. Say his name again. Jesus. Jesus. There's just something about that name. You know the Gaithers, 40 years ago maybe, wrote the song, you know, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Tim, you ever heard that song? <laughs> Tim wasn't even born back then. <laughs> what a great song. What a great name, Jesus. Turn to two or three people and just look at them in the face and say, Jesus. 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 I just, I just love walking down the aisles of a of a grocery store or your local Walmart or where there's, where there's somebody that's stocking the shelves. I love complimenting people. I love encouraging people. Last night, uh, after our leadership banquet, the police showed up. 
Not one patrol car, not two, three. They were right out here on y'all's parking lot. Just taking a break. Yep, just taking a break, I guess, yep. But you know, I appreciate them. I, and in today's time, we need to show them that. But I, as I was leaving, I drove over to two of them. They were kind of parked back here in this back section. And, and as I drove up, they rolled their windows down. I said, I want to thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being who you are. I said, we, speaking about you, we appreciate your presence on the property even tonight. But we thank And I said, and we pray for you often. And I hope you do. Scripture teaches us to do that. And then I looked at both of them, one in each car, and I said, never forget, Jesus loves you, and we do too. You know, I love, as I'm in a, in a place of business, and I'm just walking by a guy or a gal that's stocking the shelves and say, hey, man, thank you so much. Man, you got it looking so neat and clean. And then I'll just, I'll just look at them right now and say, has anybody told you today Jesus loves you? I'll be checking out Ace Hardware or something, you know, and there'll be some of the guys there, and they've got their red vest on. They're always helping, you know, and as I'm walking, I'll say, hey, thank you, John. Thank you, John. And call them by name. They've got their name badge right here. Just call people by name. It'll freak them out. How do you know my name? It's right here, John. But, but John, thank you so much for helping me today. By the way, John, has anybody told you today Jesus loves you? Now, I may never have met John in my life, but that doesn't matter. I want to tell him Jesus loves him, amen, because Jesus does love him, Amen. Jesus loves every person you and I have seen today and we'll see this afternoon in our highways and byways wherever we go. But there's something about that name, Jesus. So again, verse 12, Neither is there any salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they, the Sanhedrin religious leaders, that's who the they is there, the, the religious leaders. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Wow. They marveled that they had been with Jesus. They noticed that they had been with Jesus. I mean, you may be seated. Uh, Pentecost has happened you know, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, all the wonderful, wonderful things that take place there. 3,000 people have been saved. Amazing. And then look at chapter 3. Um, after Peter has preached his heart out, 3,000 people have been born again, and we hear a whole lot about that. We don't hear much about what happened later on. Matter of fact, over in chapter 4, it talks about 5,000 men being saved. We don't hear much about the 5,000 men being saved. We always hear about the 3,000 on that special preached message. But Peter had preached his heart out. 3,000 people have been saved. He was making the religious people a little bit upset because things were happening. People were abuzz. People were excited. People were singing and praising like we were in here a few moments ago. And the religious people don't like that they don't like let's don't get too stirred up you know let's don't get too excited about Jesus and then verse or chapter 3 picks up the story where Peter and John were going into the temple to worship and it says it was about three in the afternoon um, and and so that afternoon about three in the afternoon as Peter and John again just just hours before 3,000 people been saved the the, the the people of God are above the city's above probably in the temples above buzz but Peter and John are walking their way into the gate. Beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful gate that was there and probably one of the most ornate gates in that day because it was called the Gate Beautiful. And as they were passing by, there was a little man. And as we read the scriptures, it tells us that little man had been brought there every day. The man was around 40 years of age. Somebody 
had loved this little cripple man, and they brought a cripple man and set him down there. Just kind of pick it up with, with me in verse 2. Chapter 3, verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they had daily set him there at the gate temple, which is called Beautiful. And he was asking for alms of them that entered into the temple. Whom? Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he was asking. He said, you know, he was, he was asking for alms, alms, alms. And then look, look at verse 5. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. In other words, he looked at Peter and John. He was expecting to receive something. And verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, here's the little cripple man. He's seated there. He's begging for people going into the church house to give him some money. Some were giving him money. Some weren't. Some were probably ignoring him. And Peter and John might have almost ignored him that morning. And they've gone into the temple many a time. They probably walked by that man many a time, as we find indicated later in that scripture where people recognize this little man. But he was a little crippled man, stinky, dirty, matted hair. You probably could smell him 100 feet away. You knew you were getting close to the gate, beautiful, because you got this little stench smell. I mean, here was a little man crippled from birth, legs gnarled up, arms gnarled up, hands crinkled up, asking for, for alms. Give me some money. Give me something. And every day he was there. Somebody loved him enough to pick up that little dirty cot. Can you imagine the cot must have stunk to high heaven? The little man probably wasn't bathed, stinky, and they set him there. And every day, thousands of people would go by him into the temple to worship. It was about 3 in the afternoon, and Peter and John were walking by. And this particular day, they, they saw him. Now, we don't have any indication. We don't know. Maybe they had already spoken to this little man. We don't know. Maybe they had already talked to the little man before. Several times, maybe. You know, sometimes when we talk to people, we, we, we share the love of Jesus with them, and we kind of seed their life, and then maybe we kind of water their life, and then maybe there's a harvest that comes. Some people you will see quite often. This little man, no doubt, Peter and John had seen him quite often because he was there every day, it says. But this particular day, the little man gets their attention, and Peter and John go over to him, and he's, he's there going, alms, alms, please, please, help me, help me. And Peter looks at him, and, and what we have here, and, and you've read it, and you've studied it, and songs have been written about it, and we've preached about it. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, because I'm a Baptist preacher. <laughs> silver and gold have I none, but watch, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It was amazing, this little man... Probably there was a little more conversation going on. I don't think Peter just walked up to him and boom, hit him in the face with that. I think there was some conversation. Man, Jesus loves you. Uh, and maybe, maybe this little man had heard Peter preach that great sermon just a few hours earlier. But, but something caused that little man to get their attention. And they went over and spoke to that little man. And some way, the little crippled man said to Peter and John, Yes, I believe this Jesus is who he says he is. And yes, I believe, I believe he can change my life forever. I believe he can heal me. Now, Jesus is dead and gone. Man, he's been murdered, killed on the cross, in the grave, but has since been resurrected. But, but he says to that little man, he says, do you really believe this? And I believe the little man somewhere had to indicate, yes, I do. And he made the great statement. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
Rise up and walk. And look at the next verse. And he took him by the hand. I mean, Peter took him by the hand, reached his hand down, and the next word says, immediately picked him up. Here's this little crippled man. He had never walked before. He had never stood before. Matt, he had, he had never done... Matt, where did Matt go? Matt was up here a while ago. Uh-huh. Got to check him. He's with the children. He's with the children. Well, anyway, all right. This little man stood up. And as he was standing, his legs got straight, and his arms got straight, and his hands got straight, and I know he had to be amazed. And the Bible says immediately, watch this, it says, and he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping, he stood up, and he walked, and he entered into the temple. Watch this, he entered into the temple walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was that man that sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate temple daily, and they were filled with wonderment and amazement at that which had happened to him. This little man took Peter by the hand, he stood up, God miraculously healed him. By the way, how many of you believe that? Raise your hand. Okay, he did it whether you believe it or not, okay? He was healed. He became alive. His legs got straight and strong, it says. His arms reached up and grabbed Peter's arm, and he stood, and he began immediately to leap. Now, before I had knee problems, I'd be leaping right now just to illustrate to you, okay? But he was leaping and jumping and praising God, and, and then it says he went into the temple he went running into the temple. And not, well, first of all, it says he was walking. But I think the closer he got to the front doors of the temple, the more excited he got because then it says, and then he began to leap. And I could see him walking into the church house, leaping. And it says he was praising God. Can you imagine if today, here we are in God's house and, and we're worshiping. And, and we're having a great time and and, and, and I'm, I'm preaching just like this. And what if, what if this very thing was happening out here in the parking lot? One of your men is greeting out here in the parking lot. Uh, there was a gentleman last night when I came by the church to do a little prayer, prayer drive. There was a man on his bike riding by out here. And I wonder if another little man comes riding by on his bicycle and kind of stops and says, Hey, man, what's going on in there? And one of the men begins to talk to him. And that little fella kind of gets off his bike and he listens to the gospel presentation that one of your men shared with him out here. And that little man gets born again. And he, he lays his bike down. And he says, man, I've just been saved. This Jesus has changed my life. Man, let me go in and tell those folks. And he starts running toward a church. And I see one of the deacons go, no, 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 don't you go in there. No, no, don't go in there. And he, and he keeps running. And he comes breaking through that back door back there. And right here, right now, we start hearing somebody, somebody yelling and screaming. And then he comes through the doors and he says, man, I've been saved. I've been saved. I've been changed. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? Three or four or five, I would probably set up and we'd be pack, unpacking real quick. You'd be, you'd be ready, wouldn't you? Yeah, some of you know what I mean. But what would happen? Wouldn't that be awesome if next Sunday you're up here preaching and something like that happened out here and somebody comes running through the back door? I've been saved. God's changed my life. And he's shouting and he comes right down this aisle right here. And I can see some of your eyes getting as big as silver dollars, you know. And he comes running up toward the front. And before somebody tackles him that's on security here, you know. <laughs> what if that, that happened? He went into the temple. He went into the house of God. 
and all the religious leaders were in there, and they didn't like what had happened. What? Quiet that man down. Hush that man up. What is going on? And you'll see the rest of the story where Peter and John get into trouble. And the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees come up, and they, they kind of almost handcuff Peter and John. What, what are you doing? What's going on here? What, what, what? And they recognize, we just read it, they recognized it was the little man outside the temple, the gate beautiful, that just minutes before when they walked in, they saw him out there all knotted up, dirty, nasty, kinky hair, smelly. All of a sudden, it's that man that's been healed. And so then they begin to ask, well, what, what happened to him? What, who? And the little man says, man, I've been healed. I've been saved. My life's been changed forever. And Peter and John, John get accused of this. And then John tries to say, and Peter tries to say, look, it, it wasn't, wasn't us. Uh, look what it says uh, in verse 13. And God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, uh, the God of Isaac, the God of your fathers, he hath glorified his son, Jesus Christ, whom you delivered up. In other words, you killed him. You denied him. Verse 13 we're in now. In the presence of Pilate. Verse 14, you denied the Holy One. Now, Peter is speaking now in the temple where they were worshiping and praying at three in the afternoon. And all this commotion is happening. And Peter says, verse 15, and you killed the Prince of Life, but God has raised him from the dead. Wherefore, we're witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath this man been made strong. Whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then Peter, verse 19, starts saying, You all in this temple today, you need to repent. In other words, you need to understand what this man has experienced, all of you need to experience. Now, this is happening in the temple at three in the afternoon. And Peter has been given the platform because he's been asked by all of the religious leaders, Why are you doing this? You're interrupting our prayer to God. You ever, you ever been around a church body or something similar to that? When God tries to break loose and do something and then people try to squelch it down. I remember the Jesus movement. God changed my life in the Jesus movement. I'll date myself, but back in the late 60s and early 70s, God punched my own button and it got stuck, praise the Lord. I mean, all of heaven broke loose across the United States. The last major God movement in America was the Jesus movement. And I got fired up and radical, and I was going everywhere witnessing and sharing Jesus. And I was passing out tracts everywhere I went, giving out tracts to everybody I saw. And I was just leaving gospel tracts in my tracts everywhere I went. Wearing Jesus shirts, bell-bottom pants, long blonde hair, good-looking, <laughs> smart. The hippies and yippies were everywhere. Vietnam was going on. It was all that issue, anti-establishment, anti-Jesus. And, man, we just started going one way. There's one way with Jesus. And we did the little chant, there's one way to peace through the power of the cross. And I'm, I'll do that to this day. Do it with me. Hold your hand up. Go one way to peace through the power of the cross. Do it again. One way to peace through the power of the cross. Say it with me now. One way to peace through the power 
of the cross. Now, I want to see everybody do it. Class, this is class participation. Everybody, hold it up. Go one way to peace through the power of the cross. And I tell you what, we got radical, and some of the churches we went into bragging on Jesus just had a hard time. Had a hard, sorry about that. Get a little excited up here. Had a hard time accepting what was happening in the lives of people, just like in that temple 2,000 years ago. They started saying, what's going on here? And Peter just looked at him right in the face and said, man, you need to repent. Look, that's what he says in verse 19, repent. And then he said, be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Let me tell you, that's the only way to know Jesus. This little crippled man had had that same message shared with him. As Peter got down on his knees and he said, listen, you need to repent of your sins. You need to call upon Jesus to take care of your every need. You need to be converted and changed. And that little man outside the temple did it just a few minutes earlier. And now Peter's saying the same thing this little crippled man did, you need to do. And the religious leaders hate it. Go over into chapter 4. And that says in verse 4 there, when 5,000 men who heard him preaching got saved. I mean, Peter just kept preaching the word and kept preaching the word. 5,000, it says in verse 4, came to know Christ. And he moves on down through there. Look at verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, he just keeps preaching Jesus all over town. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Underline that, verse 8. Mark it, verse 8. Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if, this day being, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this crippled man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, watch this, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. I mean, Peter has preached and he's taught, and God's used him to see this crippled man healed, and people are still fussing and feuding and fighting and they don't want to accept just the sweetness and the simplicity of being born again. And we have people today like that, preacher. People today are trying to make it so hard to get born again, saved, changed. And some of you in this building today have made it hard and you're still struggling. It just can't be that easy. Man, Jesus said, it's not my will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. All should go to heaven. But so many people are denying it. So many people are pushing Jesus away. We don't have any help today from our government. Well, maybe a little more now, but our government's kind of anti-us. All the Hollywood's anti-you and I as Christians and TV and, and music and everything's just thumbs down on Jesus. But let me tell you what, greater is he that's in me and you than he that is in this world. Amen? Amen. You and I already have the victory. And there are more on our side than on their side. When you think about all the host of heaven. And when just one person gets born again. And this morning, if just one man, one boy, one girl, one choir member, one person playing an instrument gets saved. If just one deacon here today gets saved. Maybe one Sunday school teacher gets born again. 
Now, I know a lot of you are going, whoa, wait a minute, aren't they already Christian? Well, I, I don't know. You're here, you've been invited by a friend. First time maybe you've ever been in this church. Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. He wants you to be saved. You've attended this church for a long, long time. Maybe you even joined the church at some time. But did you repent? And were you converted? Were you changed? Or did you just join the church? Down here on the front, there's little cards that you can fill out. My wife, if Kathy were here today, and I wish she were, if my wife were here today, she would say, don't be like me, her, herself. Don't be like me. She said, I almost rededicated myself into hell. Many, many times over the years, hearing great preachers, great pastors, she grew up in a Baptist church in Memphis, Tennessee, great gospel preaching, great preachers of the gospel coming through to preach. Her mom was a pastor's secretary. Her daddy was a deacon. She went off to Bible college, but she was lost. Hoping she was saved, thinking everything was okay. Down deep was this grind of knowing I've never, ever really repented. But she had joined a church. As a young person, she joined the church, filled out the little white card. Everybody voted on her. She got baptized. But she never had repented of her sins. And the scripture says, repent ye therefore and be converted. Repentance means making a change, a total turnaround, different walk, direction, change. Repentance is like, you've got a cross right over here. Repentance is when you as a lost person, you're walking away from the cross. You're walking the ways of the world. You're thinking like the world, acting like the world, drinking like the world, smoking like the world, cussing like the world, watching the same television the world watches, going to the same movies they go to, laughing at the same jokes at work. I mean, you're just the world, the world, the world. But repentance is when God's Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you and you're convicted of your sins and you know that you must make a change and you know you need this Jesus and you hear that still small voice of God and you hear and you know what Jesus did for you on the cross when he shed his blood for you was for you and repentance is when you turn 180 degrees completely around to the cross of Christ and you say thank you Jesus, for what you did, I believe what you did was for me. I receive your forgiveness. I repent. I turn from my wicked ways to you. You know what's happened, preacher, in a lot of people's lives today? They've been walking the way of the world. They've been lost as a child, as a young person, college age, adult, single adult, businessman, businesswoman, senior adult, acting, living like the world. And all of a sudden, good things begin to happen to them. Maybe they start attending church a little bit. Maybe they've been in, uh, you know, some, a Christian concert they were invited to with a friend. They hear this gospel, and all of a sudden they begin to hear more about the cross, and they begin to turn a little bit, and they kind of get tired of the ways of the world because there's no real reality. There's no, no real peace that's there. They're trying to find peace in drugs and sex and pornography, and it's just not there. And they keep looking. They hear this still, small voice of God calling on them, and, and they get in church, and maybe they, even, they maybe even come and join the church, you know, and they, they get involved in choir, and they, they keep turning, you know, and they're at 90 degrees, 
degrees, and, and then they're, they're 100 and 120 degrees, you know, and, and all of a sudden they, they join the church, you know, and they get baptized, and, and but they, they still have never repented. They've never said, Jesus, come into my life. They've never called. The Scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And a lot of people have never called upon the name of the Lord. You've joined the church. You've been baptized. You give a lot of money to the church. But you've never called upon the name of the Lord. My wife had never called upon the name of the Lord to save her. She joined a church. She was lost. Went to Bible College, Union University, and met me there. And, and we married and went off to Southwestern Seminary. And she did revivals with me. And she would sing and she'd play the piano. But she was lost. She went through all the motions. Dressed right, acted right, sang right, looked right, carried her Bible right. But the Bible was just black and white pages. She just knew about Jesus. She didn't really know Jesus. And it was on a Sunday night at First Southern Baptist Church, Dale City, Oklahoma. Our pastor stood up in a huge church. We were on the very back row. Church would seat 9,000 people. Unbelievable. Thousands were there that night. Pastor stood up. We were on the very back. We were on the, we were on the very back row. And during the invitation, I looked over at Kathy and said, Kathy, I was ministering there. One pastor, our pastor stood up, though. And I, but I leaned over to Kathy and said, Kathy, would you help me do something after church? We're going to have to set up a fellowship hall for something. She said, no, I, I can't help you tonight. And I knew God was dealing with her. Our pastor stood up. Here's what he said. He held his Bible up, and he said, the title of my message tonight is this. Are you sincerely saved or satanically deceived? And she said it was like a knife going through her heart again. She realized she had been satanically deceived. See, she had been lost, lost, and then started going to church a lot, and NGAs, and heard all this Baptist preachers preaching, joined the church, got baptized, went off to Bible college. She had turned 140 degrees, 145, 150. She knew all the right things to say and do and how to act. Met a Baptist preacher, married a Baptist preacher, but she had never turned 180 degrees. She had turned 160, 65, maybe 170, but not 180. And friend, if you don't turn 180 degrees, you don't get born again. You've got to completely turn from the ways of the world 180 degrees to the cross. It was funny, I was doing a youth camp with students, high school and college students, and one of my leaders came up to me, and uh, he got so excited. He said, Brother David, Brother David, I'm so excited. He said, it was just a few weeks ago. He said, man, I got so excited. He said, man, I, I turned 380 degrees around. And I went, oh, you went too far. Back up, you know. 180 degrees. And some of you are going, well, I don't, I don't get that. Oh, you will. You will in a minute, okay? Some of you have never turned 180 degrees. This morning you need to. Do people see Jesus in you? When they heard Peter and John talking this repentance stuff, this life change, when they saw what happened to this little crippled man, 
They said in verse 13, Then when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, but they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Mm. Now listen to me. Have you really been with Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? If you died today out here in a car accident, if your heart exploded in your chest like it did my brother's in 1992 with a major heart attack, young man, died just like that, gone. Preaching a crusade in a gym one night down in the south part of Alabama. Service was over. Little lady, senior adult lady, that had sang with a group of folks, got in her car, got out onto the street, and an 18-wheeler, pow, hit her, killed her just like that. We don't know when our last breath will be taken. And God is not obligated that you come back tonight even. No. He's giving you an opportunity right now, Daddy. Young man, right now he's giving you an opportunity to settle the issue. Don't walk out of here today hoping, thinking, I believe I'm okay. Mm-mm. Scripture says these things in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that have believed on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. That you can know it. Can people see Jesus in you? They can't if he's not there. I want you to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Very quiet. Oh, listen, in this room right now, walks the very presence of King Jesus. He is here today. He has brought all of us here today. I am so thankful that you're here today. In this room are believers, people that have believed, people that know for certain that when they die they're going to heaven, no doubt about it. But down in your heart you might want to say, Lord, I want people to see Jesus in me more. As a believer, there are things in your life, there's stuff in your life, there's sin in your life that's blocking the light of Jesus from shining. I want to tell you in just a moment, the invitation is going to be given. And I want you to be the first ones down. I want you as believers. I want deacons at this altar, please come. I want Sunday school teachers to come to this altar and say, God, here is my life I have not really lived like I should have. There's stuff in your life. Young businessman, there's stuff in your life. You know you know Jesus. You know when you die you're going to heaven, but there's sin there. Some of you college age, you're being racked with stuff. The world's after you as a high schooler like never before. You're in a battle on campus all the time. The world, the flesh, the devil's after you. In this room, you've yielded somebody here, several, and many in this room. Now, you've yielded to stuff. Even this week, sin has grabbed a hold of you, and you've accepted it, and, and you know it's wrong, and you feel so unclean. And that's wonderful that you do. That's a good sign you're a saved man, a saved woman, because Jesus has convicted you that you're just dirty inside and as a believer you need to get cleaned up just a moment I'm going to pray and we're going to stand to our feet and I'm going to pray that you teenagers lead the way
Some of you dads lead the way. You've walked astray. You've walked crooked. Take your wife by the hand. Maybe you've even been talking about it this week. Take her by the hand. Go find your children. Come to this altar and say, Oh God, we once again give our life back afresh and anew to you. You can come and you can stand. You can sit on the front pew. You can kneel here at this altar and just say, Oh God, here I am. Oh, sir, granddaddy, oh, deacon, come. Don't know who you are. If you're here this morning, though, and you're lost and you know it, and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ loves you, and he is speaking to you, and you know you've never called upon him. You are seated there, and you know you're lost. You've got this head knowledge of Jesus, but you've never turned 180 degrees. You've never repented You've never called upon Jesus to save you, but you want him to save you. He can do it right now, right where you sit. And you can pray a prayer right where you sit right now. And in your own heart, right where you sit, pray a prayer and King Jesus will save you. The blood he shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago will wash your sins away. I don't understand it all. I don't know how it all happens. That's why it's by faith. The scripture says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's not joining the church, being baptized, teaching a class, giving money to the church, whatever. It's, it's for by grace are ye saved through faith. And today, right now, right where you sit, by faith, You just say, oh, God, I want to be saved. Pray this prayer. Just pray it in your heart right now, silently. Ma'am, if you mean it, I promise you, Jesus will save you. Just pray it in your heart right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed.